listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Well, as I've said many times before, sports are the greatest reality show invented, and you can script everything but the outcome. That's why this time of year is so much fun. Just look at how that Suns-Clippers game ended. My goodness. You you saw a lot of nerves. Uh, you saw a combination of fatigue, great defense, shots really not falling. Phoenix had 36 second-half points, still won. No field goals in the last three minutes and 30 seconds of the game, and still won. By the way, the Clippers, no field goals in the last five minutes of the game. No movie director would have scripted that inning. That's what keeps us watching. On that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Tonight, I'm going to take a closer look at why I think this year's NBA playoffs have been particularly interesting and, frankly, exciting, if somewhat inartful at times. But as a follow-up to last week when I highlighted the you know, the way some teams were eliminated and the way some teams survived. We're going to talk about a catalyst and what I think we've, what I've identified is what may be a predictor as to who will win this thing. By the way, last week I chronicled what I believe the top five NFL teams who had the best offseason in terms of their effort to create a winner. Tonight I'm going to chronicle the top three worst offseasons as the NFL remains in the conversation. After Bruin Finley's update, we'll talk about the latest stories swirling around Las Vegas, including the Oakland A's brass coming back July 8th for their third visit in a month. Well, I'm going to talk about why I think that may be a little misleading uh, later in the show. And we're going to check in uh, with number six in our series of 15 scheduling quirks in the NFL as uh, we march, uh, march uh, down, we, we march toward an NFL, uh, you know, regular season. By the way, I will also uh, talk about the largest liability that the sports books have all of a sudden based on a bet, a certain guy whose name has been in the news more than once. And this would be the biggest payout in Las Vegas history, according to William Hill. If he cashes, I'll explain. Also, there's a certain NBA team that's, Kind of caught the attention now that the Lakers and and Nets are, you know, eliminated. There's a team now that these Vegas sports books are just a little nervous about. I'll share that. And uh, not for nothing, we're not far away from the 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 legendary, the famous Westgate uh, contest, super contest that once the Fezzik won back to back years. There's new changes this year, more chances to win, and they've even reduced the entry fee. I'm going to give all those details. And uh, and much, much more tonight. Sports are entertainment. They're more than that, though, and you know they're a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Joe Maurer, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. All right. Which famous NBA player is attributed to the following quote? Quote, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career, and I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot, and indeed, I failed over and over and over again. And in those 26 times, I missed, and that's why I succeed. A guy you may have heard of, his name was Michael Jordan. 
Look, it's a whole new ball game this year in the NBA, right? And I say that because every day in America, a new star is born, and it's time for a new one to emerge. It's no longer the KT, LeBron, Steph, Kawhi League. This is not an aberration. We're moving on. They may win another championship again, but there's new young Turks. Trey, Giannis, got to throw Paul George. Now, Chris Paul has never won. Is it his turn? Or Devin Booker, right? That's why I'm so interested in these playoffs because there are new storylines. I've seen enough of LeBron. I've seen enough. And for just the second time since the NBA-ABA merger and the first time since 1994, neither number one seed made the conference finals. And the four contenders that are alive have won a combined two championships, and they both came decades ago. The Milwaukee Bucks won in 1971, and the Hawks won in 1958 when they were based in St. Louis. But these teams who've made it to the conference finals, they deserved it. Why? Because they exhibited mental toughness. Look no further than mental toughness because that is what has carried the day in this tournament that has become a a, a different brand of basketball. It is now officially a war of attrition. Look no further than mental toughness. That's what's carrying the day. And it always has for great athletes and teams who find a way to make the jump to the next level. The mental mindset is more powerful than anything else that you'll bring to the floor, the court, the ice. Human beings, you can't quantify mental toughness, but you can recognize it. I mean, look, golfing great, Arnold Palmer once said, quote, my father always said to me, remember, whatever game you play, 90% of success is from the shoulders up. Famed you know, NFL football coach Vince Lombardi used to say, quote, mental toughness is essential to success. You've got to be mentally tough. Mental toughness is many things and difficult to explain because its qualities are born of sacrifice and self-denial. Also, most importantly, it's combined with perfectly disciplined will that refuses to give in. It's a state of mind. You call it character and action. I think Lombardi knows a thing or two about mental toughness. Quote, champions are made in the gym, according to Muhammad Ali. Champions are made from something they have deep inside them a desire, a dream, a vision. Everybody's got the skill, and some have the will. But the will must be stronger than the skill. By the way, after Tom Brady won his seventh Super Bowl champions championship, he was asked what makes him or his team so special. His answer is simple, mental toughness. Now, psychologists have defined mental toughness that for athletes as, quote, having the natural or developed psychological edge that enables you to generally cope better than your opponents with the the many demands that competition, training, lifestyle that a sport places on a performer. Specifically, can you be more consistent and better with your opponents, or better than your opponents, excuse me, in remaining determined and focused and confident and keeping under control when pressure erupts? Pressure brings fear. Fear is totally mental pictures of what you don't want to happen. How do you block that out and perform? Now, you'll note a trend here. Most people attribute mental toughness to just elite athletes. I just I disagree. Being mentally tough can apply to anyone in any profession. And it's been defined as a measure of 
individual resilience and confidence that predicts success in not only sports, but education and even in the workplace. Mental toughness is keeping everything together when everyone expects you to fall apart. Mental toughness grows in the moments when you think you can't go on, but you keep going anyway, because anybody can give up. But to hold it together when everyone else would understand if you just fell apart, that is true mental toughness. Now, mental toughness comes into play when the going gets the most toughest. And achievements certainly are far more rewarding when you have to really work hard and grind for something, right? John Wooden once said, pressure causes some people to break others to break records. So I've boiled it down to three players that are remaining in this tournament. And of these three, the one that can display the most mental toughness and have that permeate across his entire roster, they're going to be the ones to win the Lawrence O'Brien Trophy. By the way, the updated odds, Bucks are plus 110, basically even money, to win the whole enchilada. The Suns are plus 115. The Hawks, Atlanta Hawks, 12 to 1. The Clippers are now 20 to 1. These are updated odds after tonight's result between the Suns and the Clippers. But look no further than these three players. Yes, they're skillful, they're clever, but their game is rooted in mental toughness. Give it up to Chris Paul. Uh, before this series, and remember, he missed the first two games of this series, and his team managed to win both of them. He's averaging 26 points a game. He's shooting 63% from the field, 76% from the line. By the way, I think he's now made about 35 free throws in a row. He's averaging 10 assists per game. Um, He's chipping in five rebounds a game. He's still getting steals. And these are, frankly, absurd numbers especially when you consider the intensity level that comes in a postseason series. Uh, Chris Paul has, frankly, taken over some games from the mid-range, and he basically torched Denver's defense inside, outside. He created some very uncomfortable binds for their defense. They adjusted in the Denver series, and they couldn't seem to make adjustments to stop Chris Paul. He himself made more mid-range jumpers 22 of them, then the entire Nuggets team, 15. Now, why do I bring Denver up? Because that series is over. Now, granted, I, I understand the Clippers are down 3-1, to one, but it's not over yet. So I, I've got to deal with the here and the now. Uh, but in the closeout game against Denver, Chris Paul had 37 points. And he, he had 27 points in the game before that. And he was also spectacular because... In game two, which was a huge game, he had not only 15 assists, he had zero turnovers. Moreover, if you've observed Chris Paul in these playoffs, he's been the absolute picture of poise. This is a guy who's never won, and he's had a lot of pressure, and there was always a perception that Paul was just coming to the Suns to be a mentor. No. He's basically put the team on his back, and he's made everybody else around him. Yes, he has set a tone of professionalism and culture, and I think he's helped to enhance the performance of a young team who had won eight in a row in the bubble last year. But he showed, just in the Denver series alone, that he's at a different level. Mental toughness, I think Chris Chris Paul has it in spades. There's just, there's just no question. There's no adjustment he hasn't been able to solve. And he's the safety net that the Suns have needed, particularly in the second half and at the end of games when it matters most. He made some clutch free throws. He's made Phoenix the favorite right next to the Bucks. You cannot, you cannot have this conversation without 
mentioning Trey Young. He has showed a competitive stamina and a will to win and unlimited energy. And, you know, in case you missed it, Trey Young has now become a bona fide closer. And in the series, you know, in all the playoff games in Atlanta, in which Atlanta has been, uh, the games have been decided by five points or fewer, Young has been key down the stretch in every one of them. And, you know, when the NBA talks about clutch situations with final five minutes to go, the score within five points, this is when he's been at his best. And heading in, again, the series isn't over yet. They're just they're just you know getting going, Milwaukee to Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta's a four-point home dog tomorrow. Kind of like them. But Trey Young's averaged 29 points a game. His field goal percentage has been about 40%. He's 33% from behind the arc. Ten assists. He'll rebound. He'll steal. Had a rough game last time out. But this is a kid who's incredibly mentally tough. And he's defied the scouts who said that he wasn't big enough. He was questionable on defense. We don't know how durable he'd be. He's playing tons of minutes. He creates his own shot off the bounce. Uh, Trey Young has been incredible. And he's created matchup nightmares for the teams that he's faced. The third person in the conversation, you have to mention Giannis. I get it. The jury's still out basically on Giannis for many folks, including me. But I want to maintain some objectivity and give credit where credit's due. Giannis, at, you know, at the conclusion of round two, again, his stats have been superb. 32 points a game, shooting almost 59% from the field. He only shoots 25% from behind the arc. For the life of me, I don't know why he insists on shooting three-pointers. Still would dish out, you know, four assists a game, but he's rebounding as well to the tune of 13. And he'll even block a shot now and then. This is a opportunity for Giannis to finally silence his critics. Will he be mentally tough to do it? Uh, tough enough to do it? Now, with Mill. But with Milwaukee's backs against the wall after falling down 3-2 to two to Brooklyn in the wake of Durant's incredibly iconic Game 5, the 49-point game, which seems like, I guess, eons ago now. Remember, all Antetokounmpo did that night was go for 30 points and 17 rebounds, and he led the Bucks to the win in Game 6 and then go for 40 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists, and played 50 minutes in Game 7 including scoring over Durant to tie the game with about a minute to go in overtime. So we've got to give credit where credit's due. In retrospect, when Giannis, the Greek freak, was aggressive and in attack mode, as he was in game six and seven, the Brooklyn Nets had no answer for him. And in those moments, he proved at least in spots he could be unstoppable, you know, which, you know, which makes his occasional penchant for insisting on shooting on those three-point jumpers, all the more maddening. Giannis is most effective when he attacks, and he was in attack mode at the right moments against Brooklyn. But again, it's back to mental toughness. How do you respond after failure? How will Trey Young look tomorrow if he gets off to a rough start? How will Chris Paul fare in a closeout game, or Devin Booker for that much? I should give him honorable mention here. And how will Giannis do tomorrow? as the Bucks have a chance to take the lead in the series and win a road game. Back to Michael Jordan. Remember, they don't all go in. Just ask Michael Jordan. He knows a thing about winning championships. And a lot of times, it's not what happens. It's how you react, and it's how that affects the rest of your team. And that's where this thing called mental toughness becomes so important and may be the predictor as to who the new NBA champion will be this year. 
Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Coming up, last week I talked about the five NFL teams that I thought had the worst NFL offseason. Tonight I'm just going to boil it down to three. You're right, Dan. Tennessee was one of the top five. Check that, Houston. But we don't, do we really need to talk about Houston? Everybody knows that. But I've got three teams, and I guarantee you two of them you might not have thought of who had the worst offseason heading into 2021. I'm Bernie Frato. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. I want to remind you, Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Before I get to the top three, in my humble opinion, NFL teams who had a very rough offseason, I want to get to number six of 15 in NFL scheduling quirks. I know quirk is maybe not the appropriate moniker here, but we're going to run with it anyway. The Jaguars, Jacksonville Jaguars, coached by Urban Meyer, well, they face the New York Jets in Week 16. So what's the significance of that? That means there's a possibility We'll see the number one overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. That would be Jacksonville's Trevor Lawrence square off against the number two overall pick. That would be New York's Zach Wilson. So if both quarterbacks start that day, it would only be the fourth time in NFL history that two rookie QB starting quarterbacks selected first and second overall faced each other. The other times, the first time back in 1993 when Drew Bledsoe faced off against Notre Dame's Rick Meyer, drug Bledsoe out of Washington State. Peyton Manning versus Ryan Leaf, also out of Washington State in 1998. And then just back in 2015, Jameis Winston faced off against Marcus Mariota. I bet you didn't know they went number one and number two. That might be kind of cool if it happens in week 16. It would be, I guess, what, late December. And we'll uh, just see what, we'll just have to see what happens. So there's that. All right, I know this is probably heresy, but I'm going to start with the Las Vegas Raiders as a team that I do not think had a good offseason. By the way, they did hire a new defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, but he's also got, got problems to take care of immediately. But here's what I think went wrong for the Raiders in the offseason, right? So they did sign, uh, you know, uh, Yannick Ndokwe, 
and they also signed John Brown, and they got they got them both for you know relative bargains, but the the Raiders inexplicably hand Kenyon Drake a two year eleven million dollar contract to serve as a second you know running back alongside their first round pick Josh Jacobs. So you tie up five million you know eleven million for two years for a second string running back. Why? Las Vegas. The Raiders also, for whatever reason, dismantled one of the league's most impressive offensive lines this, this this last year by trading away their free agent addition, Trent Brown, their star center, Rodney Hudson, and they had a homegrown guard by the name of Gabe Jackson, all for just mid to late round picks. The team also used a first round pick on Alex Leatherwood to help replace the losses. And I'm not going to, you know, I like Mike Mayock. And I'm just going to quote other public sources. They had regarded the Alabama tackle as an overdraft at number 17. Many of them thought he was a second rounder. Fine, whatever. We'll see. We'll see if it works out, I guess. But they already had a good offensive line. The team, you know, maybe they always feel they have more insight into prospects than we do or everybody else does. But the problem is the Raiders have a recent track record with draft picks. And I don't know if they deserve the benefit of the doubt. So, look, Gus Bradley... Uh, coming over as their new defensive coordinator, was regarded as one of the league's most promising defensive coaches when he took over in Jacksonville eight years ago. But the problem is his defenses haven't been consistent and they've always had to regress, and he's had talent to work with. By the way, when, when Gus Bradley was with the Chargers, his defenses ranked 10th in each of his first two years, but then they fell to 25th and 20th over the past two seasons. Is that good? And his Jags defenses ranked in the top half of the league just once in four years, and they improved the season after he was fired. You know, uh, somebody I know that's smarter than me thought the Raiders should have made a play for maybe Wade Phillips. He's a real turnaround expert. All right. I don't think the Raiders had a good offseason. Their over-under total, by the way, is 7.5, and, and people are pounding the under. And it's a 17-game season. We shall see. Well, obviously, I don't think you can say the Green Bay Packers had a very good offseason, too, uh, unless you've been living on Mars. Aaron Rodgers did not seem particularly enthused to the idea of playing for the team. And he has stopped short of requesting a trade, but he's sulking in public. And this is a situation they've got to work out and the clock is ticking, right? But beyond Rodgers, frankly, the roster is getting a little thinner. Their offensive line is rebuilding kind of on the fly because David Bakhtiari has to recover from a torn ACL. And they've got a gentleman by the name of Elton Jenkins taking snaps at left tackle and OTAs. Now, there's your blindside guy. You better hope he works out. And the Packers added another option, a corner, with their first-rounder, Eric Stokes. But most people, you know, wanted to see offense. So, look, the, the, the Packers are an enigma. 26-6 uh, and six the first two years, which is sensational under Matt LaFleur. They go to the uh, NFC Championship game both of those two years, very close to getting to the Super Bowl, and they find themselves in this state of flux, and there's nothing in this offseason that would inspire confidence among the Green Bay faithful. Finally, a team that I think always has my respect as a historic, you know, longtime performer, the Pittsburgh Steelers, all right? Well, they did not have a good season either, uh, offseason either because they had to eat what I would call their financial vegetables and watch – a great player at Bud Dupree, and Mike Hilton leave for free agency. And the organization has also moved on from Steven Nelson, a cornerback that has gone from being one of the team's biggest strengths. Now, cornerback is one of Pittsburgh's thinnest positions. Justin Lay in a third-round pick in 2019 
He's only played 100 defensive snaps in his first two seasons. He might have to be one of the team's top two cornerbacks this year. And their offensive line's also a mess. So they lose Marquise Pouncey to retirement, and Matt Feeler and Alejandro Villanueva have moved on in free agency. Ben Roethlisberger isn't getting any younger, so Pittsburgh's defense, frankly, has regressed, at least on paper, and so has their offensive line. Be that as it may, Mike Tomlin always seems to have you know, good seasons, especially when they follow disappointing ones. And the reason I say it was disappointing is because at one point the Steelers were undefeated, and then they really finished weakly and went down in a, in a heap and lost to Cleveland in the playoff game in the most embarrassing fashion. You know, these things are speculative uh, in terms of my opinion having to do with who had a bad offseason. But if you didn't necessarily make the effort to get better, which is all this is what this is about, and you make what you would what people would consider to be head scratching decisions that on paper bear explanation that don't seem to correlate towards the team getting better and winning more games next year, you you got to call them out. So look, between Green Bay, Pittsburgh, and the Raiders, two of the three, maybe all three, make the playoffs. I don't know, but. If this off if this off season is any indication, you can't say that the future looks particularly bright based on what we know now on June twenty sixth. All right, coming up, I got a whole bunch of stuff. The Oakland A's brass is coming back to town on July eighth. Are the Oakland A's moving to Las Vegas? Plus, uh, I've got stuff involving you know the NBA and mattress Mac and even the Westgate Super Contest, and we're going to get to all of it. But first. Let's go to the man. He's so resilient. He once got bit by a rattlesnake, and after five days of excruciating pain, the rattlesnake died. <laughs> Brian Finley with the latest. I love that, Birdie. Thank you so much. The Suns, where they probably have rattlesnakes in Phoenix and that area, deliver an 84-80 to 80 gut punching to the Clippers to snare a three games to one lead in the Western Conference Finals. The Clippers went 0-12 in the fourth quarter with an opportunity to tie or grab the lead. Paul George, 5-20. of 20 from the floor one of nine from long range he finished with 23 points but the shooting miscues fell on both sides the squads collectively missed 16 straight shots in the fourth period the clips went five of 31 from long range in the game the suns four of 20 from distance and 36 percent from the field and L.A. shot a mind-numbing, inconceivable 66% from the charity stripe. Phoenix was north of 80 in that category. And Devin Booker ripped off his mask mid-game. 25 points for him, but he went 0 for 5 from long range. This story, DeAndre Ayton, 19 points, 22 rebounds, and 4 blocks. And after the game... He bragged about himself. I could keep going. You know, there's another level. I learned that I, you know, I think I, I reached the next level that I really need to be, you know, be at at this, at this level when it comes to competing. Afterwards, Chris Paul, seemingly working as Aiden's hype man, said, "Quote to see his growth." I get goosebumps. I genuinely love him. Phoenix going to get him a bag this summer. 
close quote. In baseball, the Giants manufacture two runs in the bottom of the 10th inning to stick it to the Athletics 6-5. The bottom-feeding Diamondbacks crush the Padres 10-1 to end San Diego's eight-game winning streak. The Red Sox sideswipe the Yankees 4-2. Boston is 5-0 against the Yanks this season. Cody Bellinger swats a walk-off solo home run to lift the Dodgers over the Cubs 3-2. And the Astros and Tigers split a doubleheader. With that, let's get back to a man who has never done the splits, or maybe he has. It's Bernie Fratto. You mean like a banana split? <laughs> yeah, there we go. We'll go with that. Those, again, folks, are the dulcet tones. The silver tongue devil, Brian Finley, Bruin Finley. All right. Uh, by the way, real quickly, I, I really should interject this because uh, now that the enforcement for the spider attack, better grip, phenomenon is well underway before june 3rd the cumulative batting average of major leaguers was 236 actually there's been a slight uptick now hitters hitting 247 whoop-de-doo ops is up to 735 the strikeout rate's gone down one percent and you know the fastball slider spin rate is down stay tuned i'm sure you'll all be on the edge of your seat but i gotta tell you we are seeing historic performances jacob Degrom, his 0.5 ERA in 12 starts this season is tied for the second lowest ERA in any 12 start span within a season since earn run average became an official stat. Bob Gibson did it in 1968. That was the year of the pitcher. And if you recall, uh, the pitching mounds were 15 inches above ground. They were lowered to 10. I'll be curious to see if baseball makes any adjustments. But uh, look, DeGrom has won two Cy Young Awards in 2018 and 2019. And look what he's doing this year. All right, stick sticking with baseball ever so quickly. The Oakland A's have visited Las Vegas twice because if they don't get a stadium in Oakland, uh, the commissioners encourage them to look elsewhere. And I, I, I think Portland's on the list, Montreal's on the list, uh, Nashville's on the list. But Vegas apparently is their first choice, all right? Well, they're coming back to town July 8th and 9th, uh, and this will be their third visit since the beginning of June, and uh, they're doing their due diligence. They just left Arlington, Texas, to look at the retractable roof and how that was built because that's they're going to have to do that here, which to me is going to be a real hell of a political football. Uh, it's a, it would be a billion dollars to build a stadium of that, you know, of that ilk, and you've got, you're going to need probably at least half public money, half private money, uh, which means taxpayers, et cetera. I don't know if Las Vegas got the appetite for that. We'll, we'll see. What do I really think is happening here? Seriously? All right, I'm just going to say it. I think this is a leverage play. Why would they come visit three times before July 20th when they'll vote for the, uh, you know, the, the, the waterfront stadium will take place on July 20th? I, I think it's a leverage play. And the A's still have through, to, you know, 2024 – uh, as an obligation with their current stadium. So, look, stay tuned. We got hockey here. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, the Raiders here. Could Major League Baseball happen? Yeah, not anytime soon, but you just you just never know. Uh, I'll tell you what is happening. William Hill uh, took a bet this past week that, by their own admission, is the largest wager in terms of what the payout potentially could be and uh, in the history of Las Vegas sportsbooks. Now, he's back. You, you know him as Mattress Mac. His real name is Jim McInville. 
Uh, he's a 70-year-old gentleman who resides in Houston, quite a guy. And he placed a $2 million wager to win $20 million on the Houston Astros at 10-1 to to win the World Series. William Hill confirmed that this last week. Interestingly enough, the bet was not made here in Las Vegas. It was actually made in Indiana on an app. And the sports book, this is where we're at now with legalized sports betting. This is pretty cool stuff. But again, to repeat, William Hill has confirmed that this would be a possible $22 million payout. He'd get his $2 million back plus the $20 million. That would be the largest reported payout in U.S. sports betting history, bar none. All right. The NBA team that the sports books are now slightly nervous about are the Atlanta Hawks. With the Lakers and Nets out of the picture, and uh, the Lake, you know, basically the books just about guaranteed themselves a free roll for the playoffs, unless because of all the dead money that was placed on the Lakers starting in October and continuing, unless the Atlanta Hawks finish the job. And right now they're 12 to 1. They could, anything could happen. As I said at the top of the show, a new star is born every day. Why not the Hawks? Well, they're the biggest liability remaining for several Las Vegas sports books with some outstanding bets worth some high six figures and even one worth $1.5 million. The Westgate took two bets totaling 7500 and 900000 in April and May when Atlanta was considered more of a fringe contender. And back then they were about a 25-to-1 favorite. Well, they're down to 12-to-1. But that's only because Milwaukee... You're getting it's it's a situation where Milwaukee looks like they've taken control, but if there's one thing we've learned to expect, it's the unexpected. Uh, BetMGM also confirmed that they took a ten thousand dollar wager to win a million and a half on the Hawks to win the title at one hundred and fifty to one. That means that payout would be one point five million. William Hill said it also took a five thousand dollar bet to win five hundred thousand back when the Hawks were one hundred to one, and later five thousand to win three hundred thousand at sixty to one. Add it all up. And it's well into the seven figures in terms of liability. Will it happen? The odds are against it. But it could happen. And the books have their eyes on that. Coming up, I want to talk about the Westgate Super Contest. There's a bit of a shakeup in a good way. The contest evolves. Coming out of COVID, they've made some changes. More opportunities to win, less money to join up. And I want to give some quick observations about tonight's Suns-Clippers game and how it's becoming a metaphor for the playoffs and what I have called last year. Remember how I joked around? I call it the Hotel California playoffs in the bubble because you could check in, but you can never leave. I'm calling this year, it's a war of attrition. And if you watch the last five minutes of that game tonight, it was painful. But I think it's an indicator as to who might prevail over the next two weeks based on who has the competitive stamina and the mental toughness to get the job done. I'm Bernie Fratto. I'm coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Keep it locked right here. This is the pregame show you always wanted. Don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. You are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And yes, we exclusively feature Motown bumper music. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes, 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Before I go any further tonight, 
I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. That would be Brian Finley, Chris Perfett, and, of course, Bull Benson turning all the dials, keeping us glued together, doing the updates, and doing all the behind-the-scenes thing that enables us to bring this show to a grateful nation. Thanks so much, guys. And quick programming note, I will be back on these airwaves tomorrow night, 5 p.m. Pacific to 8 p.m., hosting with Catino Mobley. And, boy, do we have a lot to talk about. We've got great guests. We're going to bring you up to date on things happening in the – NFL and in Major League Baseball and certainly these NBA playoffs and I've got a couple of feature oriented items I think you might getting kick off including a big project that Wheaties is coming out with that I think is long overdue that's going to honor an athlete who came under fire during the 1968 Olympics you will want to hear what that's about before I get to the changes in the Westgate Super Contest which are very important it's considered one of the most prestigious contests anywhere in the world my, my guy, Jay Cornegay, who is the sportsbook director over at the uh, Westgate. It, it used to be the Hilton Super Contest. Now it's the Westgate Super Contest. I would just say this. Uh, he's made a lot of what I consider very innovative changes that uh, not only make it uh, you know easier to enter, but also uh, more opportunities to win. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But I, I watched the Phoenix Suns Clippers game tonight, and I want to preface this by saying I'm very much enjoying these NBA playoffs, all right? Uh, the KT, LeBron, Steph, Kawhi League, it may be gone. How do we know? But this opens the door for Trey, Giannis, Paul George, still Chris Paul, who's never won, Devin Booker. But I've called it the war of attrition because people just aren't healthy. And what I saw tonight, is was it, which really contributed – contribute <laughs> let me try that again in english folks which really contributed to a, a lower scoring game what i saw was fatigue uh, i saw you know good defense very good defense and shots simply not dropping phoenix scored 36 seven, second half points still one no field goals for the phoenix suns in the last three minutes and 30 seconds still one clippers zero field goals in the last five minutes and they got beat the fourth quarter, clutch time, crunch time, both teams combined 3 of 13 field goals. The Suns were 1 of 5, and the Clippers 2 of 8. Is it nerves? Is it physical fatigue? Is it mental fatigue? Whatever it is, the result was, as the game wound down, I saw teams that were indecisive. Both of them. They held the ball too long. There was over-dribbling. I think that you know there was self-induced pressure. The ball fell heavier, and it was a very ugly offensive game. But still credit Phoenix, they won. Sort of my recurring motif, mental toughness is going to get it done this year. Who's going to have it? All right. The Westgate Super Contest has been around a long time. It originally was the Hilton Super Contest, and you've probably heard me say it many times. Steve Fezzik, who joins me on the show during football season, uh, the only two-time winner won it back to back so it's very prestigious people enter from literally all around the world you have to enter in vegas you have to show your id you have to give your social security number you have it has they have to know it's you but you can you can personally enter up to two or three times i have to double check that but for sure at least twice and uh and if you you know you don't have to live here because there are plenty of very reputable proxy services that will get your picks in for you every week. And frankly, most people that win the contest don't win here. And contest winners come from all walks of life. We recently had 
a Starbucks barista win it. So it's become what I what I call sort of the uh, American Idol for sports football contests, football contests. I, I don't know. It, it, yes, it's a handicapping contest, but what you deal with a lot of large numbers, somebody always manages to go 75% to win anything. That's unheard of. All right, so here's the deal. They're cutting the price. The Westgate is cutting the price of the Super Contest, and they're expanding the number of ways to win. Here's the lowdown. The Super Contest, you only have to pay 1000 to enter now. It used to be 1500 And the competition itself will have nine in-season contests to go along with the overall title to win the whole thing which now means basically because there are multiple payouts <clears throat> that if you win the overall first place you're projected to probably win about five hundred thousand. whereas the last few years it's been over a million but the top 30 finishers will receive payouts and another thing this year's super contest will have three six-week contests and six three-week contests think about it that fits. It's symmetrical because we now have an 18-week schedule. Remember, 17 games, but it's going to be played over 18 weeks. Now, here's what's cool: the six-week contests will have payouts of 100,000, 50,000, 10, 5, and 2,500 for the first five places. So, look, if you get off to a bad start, you have a good six-week period. You can still make yourself some nice coin. The three-week contest will pay three spots at 75, 25, and five grand. The Westgate also announced that a Super Contest weekend will take place August 27th and 28th. And if you come out and join and play in the golf tournament, they'll be giving out 10 free contest entries. And it's a lot of fun and a good reason to come out to Las Vegas. Yes, the NFL is almost upon us and it stays in the news. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, the man from Nashville. His name is Jason Martin. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! 